0: Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I have decided today to minister a relevant word because of the season and the times that we are currently find ourselves in, where fear is being spread, anxiety, and turmoil is all around us as a result of this pandemic. It is for this reason that I decided to minister today on the subject of divine protection and preservation from all manner of evil. The Bible speaks of a secret place in God where we are protected, where we are safe from all manner of evil that seeks to harm and destroy. And the Bible calls this place secret because few know about it. Even fewer know how to remain and abide there. It is secret because it is hidden in God. It's not something you can see, it's not a geographical location that you can run into, because this place is in the Spirit. Therefore, we're going to read the Psalm of Protection. You all know that Psalm 91 gives us wonderful and exceedingly great precious promises when it comes to preservation from evil and divine protection. So, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalm 91. There are 16 verses, and we're going to read the entire Psalm. And I'm reading from the King James, uh, New King James Translation. Psalm 91. I'd like you to look at that and read it also from your own Bible. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. even the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him, And show him my salvation. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. All of these promises we just read are given to those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Notice the words in verse 1 He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And again, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. Now, the word dwell means to abide in. It also speaks of a place of shelter to live in, or a place of residence. So, we can clearly see from the Scriptures that these promises of divine protection are conditional, just like every other promise from God is conditional. Now, we cannot claim a promise unless we fulfill the conditions. These promises are given to those who abide in God and make the dwelling place with God. Of course, these are the ones who have discovered that secret place of the Most High and continue to remain and abide under the shadow of His protection, under His invisible covering. The question arises, how can we get to this secret place and, of course, take shelter from the destruction that is all around us? Well, that is what we hope to find out in our study today. So, take note. Your ears open and listen. Not just with your physical ears, but with the ears of your spirit. Jesus taught his disciples where that secret place is, and he also taught them how to abide in that place, by following His example. Notice what He said to them in John's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. John's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. John the Apostle also says more or less the same thing. In 1 John four twelve, he says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. The secret place of the Most High is not a geographical location to get to, but it is a spiritual habitation where the love of God is fully received, expressed by individuals who live and walk in it. So I'm going to repeat that statement because that's very important. The secret place of the Most High is a spiritual habitation where the love of God is fully received and accepted and expressed by individuals who live and walk in it. The secret place of the Most High is found In receiving the love that God has for us and walking in it by loving God and, of course, loving one another as He gave us commandment. Where the commandment of love is obeyed, that is where the shadow of the Almighty remains, His invisible protection over us and our loved ones. It is in that very place, of course, that we find refuge, we find protection, we find also fellowship and intimacy with the Father through His Son in the Holy Spirit. Where the love of God is present, there is no fear, there is no torment, there is no anxiety, there is no stress, but absolute rest. A spiritual rest that fills our heart and our soul and our mind. Why? Because perfect love, the Bible says, casts out all kinds of fear. The fear of death, the fear of sickness, the fear of accidents. All of those fears are completely cast out of our hearts as we are filled with the love that God has for us. So loving God and loving one another is the secret place of the Most High and the safest place on earth. There we abide in God, and of course God abides in us, who is love himself. So, as you all know, these are challenging times that we are living in very stressful. We're living in a time of great fear, great stress, and the atmosphere is constantly charged with reports of death, sickness, murder, violence, political unrest, and all that kinds of evil. Multitudes are searching for a safe place, a harbor in which they can take refuge and find shelter from the evil that is multiplied in our day. You see, the Bible warned us about such days. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writing to Timothy, he warns him that in the last days, he said, perilous, dangerous times will come. He, in fact, the Amplified Bible says, days of great stress and trouble, days which are hard to deal with and hard to bear. But listen, and listen carefully, we cannot afford to focus on what is going on in the world around us. Our focus should not be on the evil that is prevalent today, but rather our focus should be on the Lord and what is going on in our own hearts in our own soul in our own inner man the things that are going on in our inner man, in our in our inward man or our soul and spirit i believe determine whether we are going to be living in the secret place of the most high or stay outside of it I say that because Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart, your spirit, your soul, with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The New Living Translation says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The course of our life, and I believe the quality of our life, is determined by the affections of our heart. If we love the Lord and devote ourselves to Him, to His purposes and His kingdom, we will enjoy the benefits of His ever-abiding presence. If we love Him, according to the words of Jesus, we will keep His commandments and walk in His pleasure. Those who truly love the Lord, I believe, find the greatest fulfillment and pleasure in fulfilling the will of God for their lives. The psalmist says in Psalm 40, I delight to do your will, O my God. And your law is within my heart. He's speaking about the law of love. So anytime we step out of God's love, we are stepping out of the will of God. And what we need to do is to repent quickly and get back hurriedly under God's umbrella of protection. That does not mean, of course, that we are not going to face challenges or we're going to be uh, uh, safe from tests or trials. On the contrary, perhaps even more than those who are outside of the will of God. But the difference is that we will have the abundant grace and the strength of God fighting for us, assisting us in overcoming these trials and tests. And the Holy Spirit, writing to new believers through Paul, in the book of Acts chapter 14, verse 22, he says to them, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Notice the words, many, many tribulations. The psalmist also said in Psalm 34, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But, thank God for that but, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Not just some of them, but out of them all. So it is certain. We will not be shielded from tests and trials. Jesus said that the Father sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. The storms of life will come to both households, those that have built their house on the sand and those that have built the house on the rock. So it is certain we will face many afflictions in this life, but the Lord promises deliverance out of them all. And Psalm 91, the very psalm that we just read, says that. Listen to what God says to him who loves God and loves his brother. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. Notice what he says in the next sentence. I will be with him in trouble. Didn't say he's going to keep us out of trouble. But he says, I'm going to be there with you in the fire, in the flood, in the test and in the trial. And I will be with you there. I will deliver him and I will honor him. And listen to this. What what a beautiful promise. What a powerful promise. With long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Well, how long is long life? I heard one of my favorite preachers say, Well, as long as I'm satisfied, I will live. When I reach that place, when I'm not satisfied anymore, then I will ask the Lord to take me home. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So, having said all of that, one thing is needed for us to focus and study and meditate and grow into and develop. And that one thing is to grow and to develop in our love walk. Paul the Apostle, writing to the church in Philippi, prays for the church for this very thing. In Philippians 1, verse 9, says, Chapter 1 verse 9, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. He prays that the love may grow and abound. You see, love is one of the fruits of the Spirit, the, the, the fruits of the recreated human spirit. And fruit can grow. Patience, we can grow in patience, we can grow in peace, we can grow in love, in faithfulness. So, how do we grow? How do we develop, for example, our love muscles? How do we grow and develop in in this love walk? Well, there is only one way to do it. Now listen carefully. And that is by feeding it on the Word of God and exercising that love. What do you mean exercise? Act as though you did love your brother. What would you do if you loved your brother? What would you do if you love your spouse? The Bible says that love is the fulfilling of the law. When you walk in love, you don't have to keep a whole bunch of commandments. You only need to keep one, love. Love does no harm to anyone. Amen? We we take the scriptures which speak about the love of God that he has for us. We meditate on them and then we put them into practice. The more we obey the commandment of love, the more we develop the love walk. When someone does you wrong, don't gripe and complain. It is an opportunity to exercise your love towards that person and to forgive him. Instead of complaining, instead of getting offended, instead of griping, instead of calling them names, why not take that opportunity and exercise your love? How? By forgiving that person. Forgiveness is born out of love. Here are some words from Jesus that if we put them into practice, no doubt, we will grow and develop very quickly in our love walk. Here we are. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 27 and 28. Now, I'm giving you the meat of the word, not the milk, and I hope you're not going to choke on it. (laughs) This is... This is what the Bible calls the meat of the word. So if you ever wondered what what the meat of the word, this is it. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 27 and 28. And then verse 31 through to 33. Jesus is speaking. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who despitefully use you. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. So, loving our enemies and doing good to those who hate us, listen carefully, it is an act of our will and has nothing to do about how we feel about them. Forgiving others and praying for those who despitefully use or persecute us is a choice and not an emotion. We are not to be led by feelings and emotions, but we are to walk by faith, be led by the Spirit and the Word of God. Just like faith is a choice, loving others is also a choice. I don't have to choose to go with my feelings. My feelings are not my God. Anytime they contradict the Word of God, I must make a decision ...to part with my feelings. I choose to obey God. Why? Because I love Him. And because I fear God more than any other person in the world. I recall the days... ...the days of my persecution from the religious leaders... ...of my denomination. Simply because I went out in obedience to God... ...preaching the gospel to my Greek country fellow men and calling them to repentance. That was back in the 1980s. The words of Jesus, which we just read, became my daily exercise. I recall daily I would pray for those who persecuted me, asking God to bless them and forgive them because they did not know what they were doing. You know, those days were very difficult to bear. But as I continued to obey the commandment of love, those were the days I grew the most spiritually. All of us, excluding no one, will be given many opportunities in life to exercise our love. The devil and his cohorts will see to that. Even our own relatives at times, family members, as well as our brothers and sisters in the Lord, will give us many opportunities to get offended with Him. What we do in those times and how we respond will determine whether we will remain and abide in the secret place of the Most High or stay outside of it. Peter approached the Lord once with a question. He said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Well, That talks, how many, how many times is 70 times 7? It's 490 times. That's unlimited forgiveness. And in order to drive the point, Jesus began to teach them. He took this opportunity to teach them about the value of forgiveness and the terrible penalty of those who refuse to forgive from their heart and we're going to read this this parable that Jesus spoke to them in Matthew 18. So bear with me, if you have your Bibles you can turn there, Matthew 18 beginning with verse 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had began to settle accounts one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion He released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have mercy, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison Till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that did because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And then Jesus concluded his teaching on forgiveness by saying, So my heavenly Father also will do to you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. My friends, There is a penalty for not walking in God's love. And the penalty, most times, is very severe. Many believers, I believe today, within the church, are in the grip of unforgiveness, bitterness. And many have suffered much by refusing to walk in the commandment of love. And some of them have even died prematurely. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, said, For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep, meaning that many have died prematurely. What was the reason? Well, Paul explains, if you read the epistles to the Corinthians, especially 1 Corinthians, you will see... That they, they failed to discern and give proper recognition to the members of the body of Christ. In other words, to their brothers and sisters in the community. They were in strife with one another, taking each other to court. They were envious and jealous of one another, hurting each other. And as a result... They were tormented by the evil one. They stepped outside of God's invisible protection. In other words, they moved away from the secret place of the Most High. And when you get into, his, into the devil's territory, remember this, he has no mercy. He will strike, he will destroy. The Bible says that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy So he has a legal right. Once you step outside of God's love, you are stepping into his territory. Then he has a legal right to attack you. Families today, marriages are being torn apart by strife and self-seeking, simply refusing to obey the commandment of love. The love of God doesn't say, I will love you if you love me. Or I'll be good to you if, you if you be good to me. But it does say, I will love you regardless of how you treat me. God's love is unconditional, folks, and we need to love that way. Human love is more than just sensual feelings and emotions. And human love can turn to hatred overnight. But the love of God, this divine love, which the Bible says God has shed the kind of love that God is. He has shed that abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit, which was given unto us. This is divine love. And this kind of love loves unconditionally. And I want to close today my lesson with a reading from the first chapter from the first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 from the Amplified Translation. I encourage you to copy these verses somewhere on a piece of paper and take them with you wherever you go. Read them morning, noon, and night. Meditate on them. Ponder. Focus your thoughts on these verses because they describe what the love of God is like. This is is the character of God. This is the God kind of love. So I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Many endure long, but they're not kind or patient while they're doing it. (laughs) Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. Here we see selfishness, the root cause of all the drama, the heartache, and the pain that humanity is putting up with today? Self-seeking, selfishness, marriages breaking up, relationships breaking up because of self-centeredness. Well, the love of God, it is not self-seeking. And the Word says it does not insist on its own rights. How many times you've heard people say, I have a right to do this. I have a right to say this. And they continue to walk in that frame of mind and they walk themselves out of the love of God, plumb into death and sickness and premature death. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it and it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Not the worst, but the best. The flesh wants to believe the worst. But the love of God is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Where does that leave us? Well, I believe the Bible says that from time to time we need to examine ourselves. We need to judge ourselves. Examine our love walk against these very verses. How do we fare? Amen? Folks, these are volatile and dangerous times and we need To find that place, the Bible calls the secret place. And I've explained to you where that place is. And abide there, stay there. There we will find everything that we will ever need or require. But most of all, we will find rest for our souls and a beautiful fellowship with the Father. Let's pray over the word that we just heard. Father, we thank you. For your precious word. Your word is life Lord to those that find it. And also health to all of their flesh. Thank you. That you have already shed your very own love in our hearts. By the Holy Spirit. Who was given unto us. We have this love. You, You never command us to do something that we are unable to do. We pray, Lord, that you would grant us a greater revelation of your loving kindness, the depth, the height, the width and the length of the love of Christ, that we may root ourselves in that precious love and continue to return it to you and to one another in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen and amen.